Hello and welcome to the Sister Sunday School class at Anchor Bible Church in Hull, Georgia. My name is Sharon Black. I am the pastor's wife here. I do not normally teach the Sister Sunday School class, but we have been exploring a subject that I'm very passionate about and so I've temporarily taught the class through this series. We've been looking at Christianity versus world religions. In the process we've looked at the six major worldviews that exist in our world today and I'm going to quickly review those for you and then today I want to take it a step further as we discuss this subject matter in our class among the ladies in this class we were talking about the cults that exist in our culture and in the world and we were wondering where they all fit as far as the six major worldviews. So I'm going to address that issue today. So first of all, of all a quick um, review of the six major worldviews that exist in our world today. The first one, of course, is Christianity. Of the eight billion people on planet Earth, two billion people ascribe to Christianity. Now, does that mean all two billion of them have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and their Bible-believing no, but there are 2 billion people who, if they had to pick a lane, they would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. So only the Lord knows their hearts. So in the, in the worldview of Christianity, we believe there is one God who exists in Trinity. It's a very hard concept to explain. It's hard to discuss, but it is presented in Scripture. We believe that one member of the Godhead or one member of the Trinity is Jesus. He is God, that he saves, he forgives, he wants a relationship with you. Our source of authority is the Bible. The Bible itself is a miracle. It is God's word. The creator of the universe communicated with us and then preserved his word through the years, the centuries, made sure it was translated and is still in the process of being translated into some of the the lesser known languages of the world. But the Bible is our authority and we believe it is inerrant. Uh, We believe that there is a material world, of course, but that there is also a spiritual realm, a realm that we cannot see. We believe in angels and demons, that God is spirit, that um, there is a realm we cannot see and yet is very real. And our purpose as human beings is to serve God and hopefully to spend eternity in heaven if we're saved. And my hope for you as you listen to this podcast, if you're just listening out of sheer curiosity or, you know, to be a critic or whatever, um, my hope and my prayer for you is that if you are a believer, you're going to grow in your faith and grow in your knowledge, grow in grace. If you're not a believer, that you will come to understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So our purpose is to spend eternity in heaven with with the Lord. The second major worldview is Islam. Out of our 8 billion people on planet Earth, 1.6 billion ascribe to Islam. It's second only to Christianity and growing. And I will say, when I was growing up, um, and I'm in my 50s now, when I was growing up, didn't hear much about Muslims except as a very obscure people group across the ocean in the Middle East and now it is a major worldview second only to Christianity and growing and has I I hesitate to use the word infiltrated but 
for lack of better terminology at the moment, has infiltrated every country. And uh, a lot of our major European countries even are, are very heavily influenced and, and heavily populated by Muslims now. So in the faith, in the Islam faith, in the worldview of Islam, they believe that there is one God, Allah, he is not a trinity and that you are not there there is no emphasis on any kind of relationship with Allah just that he's there that he's the creator the source of authority for those who ascribe to Islam is the Quran and the Muslims do believe in a spiritual and a material realm as well one of the few things that we agree with them on is that there is a material world and then there is a spiritual realm that we cannot see and in the Islam in that worldview man's purpose is simply to serve Allah and hopefully spend eternity in heaven but as a if you are a Muslim you cannot know there's a not time to go into it now but if you go back and listen to that podcast there's a whole process of your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds and having angels that keep track of all that and and um, you'll have to go back and listen but it's uh, there's no assurance of your salvation the third major worldview is secular humanism and in secular humanism there is no god there are only humans and the source of authority is science the material world that we can see and touch and feel is the only realm the the material world is the only world that exists and then the purpose of mankind is to secularize society and education to evolve and then to die when it's over and you live and then you die and that's all there is the next worldview that we looked at was uh, marxism and in marxism it has been said and i believe i've said this in several of the podcasts on this uh, topic that Marxism is secular humanism weaponized. So in Marxism, there's no God, only humans. Science is the source of authority, the only source of authority. The material world is all that exists, but man's purpose is more focused. Man's purpose is socioeconomic and political world domination. That's a little bit more severe or a little bit more extreme than just secularizing society and education and evolving as a person um, and as a race. So Marxism is secular humanism weaponized. And I hope you'll go back and listen to that podcast as well. The fifth major worldview is postmodernism. And while it seems really out there for a lot of us, uh, you'd be surprised at how much influence postmodernism has in our culture, pop culture, church, music, art, education, the minds and the hearts of young people today. So don't discount this worldview, even though it is very extreme. But this worldview denies all worldviews. This worldview says we cannot know truth. We cannot know reality. Postmodernism believes that all claims of truth are only for political power. Interesting. 
Go back and listen to that podcast if that interests you and you haven't heard it yet. The last of the six major worldviews is something we call new spirituality. If you're a little bit older, you might have heard the term the new age movement. Um, Now, uh, more modern theologians are referring to this as new spirituality. And in new spirituality, everything is consciousness. Every person is God or a God. There's a spark of the divine in, in everyone. Um, consciousness can be harnessed to achieve perfection. And then the purpose of life under this worldview is simply overcoming self, becoming part of the greater consciousness. Now, new spirituality is not new at all, but I hope you will go back and listen to that podcast as well. So today we're going to extend it a little bit. We're going to talk about cults and we're going to talk about how they fit under one of these worldviews. So first of all, let's define cult, because if you go with the definition in Webster's Dictionary, that that's not really what we're discussing today. That's more of a stereotype, sort of a generic term. In this case, I'm taking this definition from a book called The Kingdom of the Cults by Dr. Walter Martin. And if you are a Christian and you're interested in what all of the major cults of the world believe and where they came from and who started them. Um, This is sort of a one-stop shopping. It's a great book to have on your shelf if you want to dig a little bit deeper than I can in just a a 30-minute session with you on a podcast. But um, again, it's Dr. Walter Martin. The book is The Kingdom of the Cults. It's been updated a number of times. This definition comes from the, uh, the revision in 2003. So here is his definition of a cult. A cult is a group of people gathered about a specific person or that person's misinterpretation of the Bible. Again, a cult is a group of people gathered about a specific person or person's misinterpretation of the Bible. Okay, that's that's kind of where we're going to land today. So in your mind, since you don't have... Um, the visuals that I provided in the Sunday school class, I would like for you to imagine in your mind um, three umbrellas. You can give them different colors, however you want to imagine them. And one of the umbrellas is Christianity. The next umbrella is new spirituality. And the next umbrella is Islam. All of the cults that we're going to look at fit under one of these umbrellas. And technically the ones that I'm going to talk about that call themselves Christians really should go under a different umbrella. We'll talk about that in a minute. So let's start with the first one. I don't have as much to say about it. It's less common, but there is a spinoff of Islam. So under the Islam umbrella, there's a spinoff called the Baha'i faith. That's B-A-H-A apostrophe I, the Baha'i or the Baha'i faith. It's a spinoff of Islam. It is not recognized by mainline Muslims. It's sort of a mystical branch of Islam that's not recognized by by mainline Muslims. So that's really all I'm going to say about that particular one. It's not as common in the United States as you may have heard of it. Next, listen to this list. Buddhism, Hinduism, Spiritism, Scientology, the New Age cult, 
Unitarian Universalism, the Theosophical Society, and the Unification Church. All of these that I just listed would fall under the umbrella of new spirituality. So they have a lot of commonalities among them. The idea of, you know, there's a spark of the divine in everyone and that our goal is to overcome self and become part of a greater consciousness. Um, each one has specific beliefs that are unique to its own little group, but overall they fit the bigger under the bigger umbrella of new spirituality. So I'm not going to break each one of those down any further, but just to say that they all fit the worldview that we've already discussed. Um, now today, I want to spend most of the time together talking about the three big ones, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and Christian Scientists. Now, my ultimate goal is to equip and disciple Christians. So my target audience is people who are already believers in Jesus Christ, who have a personal relationship with Him, who are reading their Bibles, who want to understand, who want to grow and want to go deeper, and they want to be able to share their faith effectively with different types of people. So the purpose of this podcast is not to disparage or to make fun of any of these other groups, simply to say very straightforwardly they're wrong and we have the truth. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ have found the truth. It doesn't make us better than anybody else. It makes us different, but it also should motivate us to make sure that those around us do know and understand the truth because the most important thing is where you're going to spend eternity and how you spend your life between now and then. So um, as I go through these, the purpose again is not to make fun or disparage, but simply to inform my target audience, which is other Christians, to help them understand so that they can more effectively share their faith. So if you're not in that target audience, maybe you're just stopping by, you're like, hey, what is this lady talking about? I want to listen in. Welcome. And um, I hope that, that you'll learn something. I just want you to understand my heart. I'm not here to, to put anybody down. I just want everyone to know the truth. So let's look at these three main cults in our in our society today the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and the um, Christian scientists. To be perfectly clear, it all started in the Garden of Eden when Satan, in the form of a serpent, came to Eve and tempted her by asking the question, Yea, hath God said? In other words, did God really say that? Did he really tell you not to eat the fruit or did he just not want you to be like him? So Satan tempted Eve by causing her to question what God said. And that is the case with most of with these cults. As we look at them, I want you to see that they've questioned something or they've gone off on a tangent in, in some direction, but they've, they've departed from what Scripture teaches. All right, let's look at Jehovah's Witnesses. So first of all, Jehovah's Witnesses, the belief system, the cult, was established by a man named Charles Taze Russell, or C.T. Russell. He was born in Pennsylvania in 1870, and he established this cult when he was 18 years old. He must have had a very charismatic personality or he must have been very persuasive in some way. 
He started out in the printing business, from what I understand. He um, established the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which is still in existence today. Um, Here are some beliefs to help you understand why Jehovah's Witnesses are not Christians. When they knock on your door and they give you materials and they claim to be Christians, here is how you know that they are not. Here are some things. First of all, they believe that Jesus is not Jehovah God. Now, Jehovah is one of the names of God in the Bible. That's fine to say Jehovah. But to say that Jesus is not God, that he is not Jehovah, is completely in contradiction to Scripture. Scripture is very clear that Jesus is God. He is part of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is a hard thing, and it's going to come up in all of these um, cults as we look at them. Um, It's a hard thing to explain. It's a hard thing to teach. But it's very clear in Scripture that God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not three different gods. He's one God, but he exists in three persons. So the Jehovah's Witnesses very clearly teach that Jesus is not God. So you can stop right there. They're not Christians. Um, But let's keep going. There are some other things. They believe that Jesus is God's first and only direct creation. So not that Jesus came in the form of a man that he was incarnated, but that God actually created Jesus. That is not biblical. Um, The next one, Jesus' true followers are known by their worship of Jehovah, the true and almighty God, who is not a trinity. So they don't believe that God exists in trinity. And yet the scripture very clearly teaches that he does. Um, Another belief of Jehovah's Witnesses is that Jesus was not raised from the dead physically. They believe he was raised from the dead as a mighty spirit creature, but not physically. That is in direct contradiction to scripture. If you read in the Gospels, Jesus physically appeared to his disciples. They put their hands in the in the spear wounds in his hands and feet and in his side. He sat and ate with them. He walked and talked with them, and then he ascended back into heaven. So to say that he did not physically rise from the dead affects a lot of other very important doctrines in Scripture, and it that belief itself is unscriptural. Um, the next one is that the second coming of Jesus was an invisible spiritual presence that began in 1914. Well, that's a whole can of worms we don't have time to delve into today, but the second coming hasn't occurred yet. Now, Jesus did go back into heaven and send us his comforter, the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Godhead. But this second coming of Jesus as an invisible spiritual presence in 1914 is not in Scripture, of course. And then the last one is that the dead exist only in God's memory. The wicked will not be punished in hell, but will be extinguished forever. That is patently unbiblical. We see in Scripture that there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is eternal life. So if you just take this very brief, let me count my bullet points. One, two, three, four, five, six bullet points are six of their major beliefs. Um, That shows you that they cannot call themselves Christians because they do not believe God's word. And they don't trust Christ to save them from their sins because Christ, they don't believe, is God. So um, that's just sort of Jehovah's Witnesses in a nutshell. 
Anytime someone comes to your door, the Bible discourages us from getting into arguments, vain arguments. Um, If you choose to take on a Jehovah's Witness, really all you have to do is ask them, what will you do with Jesus? And that's, that's the first and most important question. You don't even have to go anywhere else in the conversation. You keep them focused on Jesus and talk to them about Jesus because that's where they've they've been misguided they don't understand and they need to be saved just like everyone else you may not be able to bring a jehovah's witness to know christ on your front doorstep but if you want to engage them in a conversation not an argument just a conversation keep it focused on jesus christ because he's the author and finisher of our faith and they don't believe he's god so all right let's move on to the next one this one's interesting Christian scientists, uh, founded by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy, who's from New Hampshire, and a guy named Phineas Parker Quimby, who was from Maine. They lived in the 1850s. Um, If you look, I think if you look even on Wikipedia, if you look up Mary Baker Eddy and you look up Phineas Parker Quimby, and you read about their lives they are some interesting characters. Mary Baker Eddy had a lot of um, physical problems, a lot of psychological problems. Um, It's very interesting how they developed a cult and that people who followed some of these interesting things that they said in writing. um, Well, okay, let me just, (laughs) I'm going to go through some of the things that they believe. And again, this is not to disparage people who believe this. This is genuinely to help those of us who are believers to understand these people are not Christians and they need to be saved. They need to know the real Jesus. So here are some things they believe. First of all, that God is simply a divine principle. P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E. In other words, a divine idea. He's not a person according to Christian scientists. The second thing, Jesus is not God. The incarnation and bodily resurrection of Christ did not occur. Scripture is not inerrant. That sin, death, and evil do not exist. There is no literal, physical existence of the material universe. I, I don't understand that that's actually that idea is found in in uh, postmodernism too but um i guess they think we just think we're here but we don't really know we're here something like that um this particular people group regrouped in the 1980s and they present themselves as a denomination of Christianity. Now, the very last session in this study of Christianity versus world religions, I'm going to talk about Christian denominations and what Christians believe and why we have different groups of Christians and how we're different from each other. That's a study for next time. But this group of people, Christian scientists, are presenting themselves as a denomination. Now, if you don't believe there is actually a God and that you don't believe Jesus is God, that you don't believe Scripture is inerrant and you don't believe sin, death, and evil exist, I'm not really sure how you can legitimately call yourself a Christian. 
those of us who are Christians are Christ followers. We believe He is our Savior. And again, if you don't believe He's God, He can't save you from your sins. So Christian scientists, you can dig a little deeper, hopefully you will, but they should not and cannot call themselves Christians. Last group are the Mormons, um, the Church of Latter-day Saints. So let's look at some facts and some things that they believe. Um, the Mormons were established by a man named Joseph Smith, who was originally from Vermont, and then later Brigham Young, who was also from Vermont, between the 1820s and the 1840s. And here are some of their beliefs. Now, when I start reading some of these to you, again, remember these these people, people who call themselves Mormons, are presenting themselves as a mainline group of Christians. So when I start reading these, you're going to see why I am saying they cannot call themselves Christians. Here we go. The first one, the Bible is the word of God insofar as it is correctly interpreted. There are three sacred books in addition to the Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and the pearl of great price. So they equate these other three books with the Bible. And the Bible has to be interpreted by one of the people who who was a leader in the Mormon church. All right, here's the next one. The earth is one of several inhabited planets ruled over by gods and goddesses who were at one time humans on other planets. Mormonism is polytheistic at its core. In, under Mormonism, there is not one God, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. There are gods and goddesses. They don't normally talk about this when they come to your front door to uh, invite you to church and, and tell you that they're Christians. But they are polytheistic. They believe that there are many gods and goddesses. Moving on. The Trinity consists of three gods born in different times and places. The Father begot the Son and Holy Ghost through a goddess wife in heaven. Now, you can take that at face value and know that it is not in the scripture. That is not biblical at all. Um, the next one. Humankind is of the same species as God. God begot all humans in heaven as offspring of his wife or wives who were sent to earth for the potential exaltation to Godhood. And salvation is resurrection, but exaltation to Godhood for eternal life must be earned through self-meriting works. Now, when you listen to that list, those are not things they will normally talk about when they come to your door to, um, you know, and call themselves Christians, invite you to their church, etc., etc. These are very, very contrary to what scripture teaches so i want you to be aware and again this is not making fun of these people groups it's to help you understand what they truly believe so that you can share your faith with them if possible but also to guard against their lies and their deceit when they come and, and try to tell you otherwise some important scripture verses as we close first of all i'm just going to give you some references and then there are a couple of of 
passages that I'd like to read aloud. But the first one, this is just a reference for you to go back and look up. But in Matthew chapter 15, verses 3 and 6, Jesus, speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, warned them against placing equal emphasis on tradition as they did on the scripture that they had at that time, the the Old Testament, the law. He said, you know, you are, you believe in man's tradition. You're following after the wrong thing. So we have to be so careful not to follow after man-made ideas and man-made doctrine. The second reference to look up is in Matthew 24, verse 5 where Jesus says that that many false teachers will come and will deceive many. They'll claim to be the Messiah and they'll deceive many. This is the one I'd like to read to you. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. This is verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Heaven forbid that the Lord will ever say such a thing to any of us. But if these who are deceived in these cults do not turn from their false beliefs to the truth, may hear things like that someday. That, that's a very sad thought. And I hope you'll be encouraged to try to share your faith when, when, you're in, when you encounter people who are deceived in these different cults. Um, here's another reference just to write down and look up. First John chapter 2, verses 2 and verse 19. Um, the the writers talking about those who were uh, false teachers among them and who left because they were not original they were not Christians and they left because they were not of the truth. First John talks a lot about the truth and loving the truth. Uh, another passage I'd like to read to you is Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses thirteen through fifteen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works." So God is saying, you know, it's it's not okay for someone to go off on a tangent and and deceive people because their end is going to be spending eternity 
in hell. It's very sad. So I wanted to caution you against those who would claim to be Christians, but if you dig into what they believe, they are not believers. I want to read this final quote from Dr. Martin's book, Kingdom of the Cults. It says, The biblical perspective where false teachers and false teachings are concerned is that we are to have compassion and or love for those who are enmeshed in the teachings of the false prophets, but we are to vigorously oppose the teachings with our primary objective, the winning of the soul and not so much the argument. The winning of the soul and not so much the argument. Christians are not called to run around and argue. You should be able to give an answer for your faith. That's biblical. You should know what you believe and understand it deeply and dig deeper into God's word if you don't feel that you know what you believe. But our goal is not to run around and have arguments with people. Our goal, let me repeat what Dr. Martin said, the objective of winning the, the winning of the soul and not so much the argument. We want to win souls for Jesus. I hope that this study has been helpful for you. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about Christian denominations. Among those of us who do believe the Bible and who do trust Jesus to save us, there are lots of different flavors, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, all of those. We're going to talk about that more in the next podcast, which will be the final one in this study. So between now and then, I hope that you'll dig into God's word for yourself. And I pray that you will um, be blessed and be a blessing to others. Thank you so much.